Thank you for supporting the Ministry of Victory Outreach International. We pray this message challenges, ignites faith, and that God would fan the flame that will produce a harvest of souls throughout the world. Glory to God. Second Kings chapter 4, and we'll begin reading in verse 8. And then after that, we're also going to be turning in our Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3 after this. So, 2 Kings chapter 4, beginning in verse 8. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as often as he passed by, he turned to thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is a holy man of God, which passes by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick and it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither and then i would like to have you also open in your bibles to second timothy chapter three second timothy chapter three verse 17. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 17. In fact, let's uh, read 16 too. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And then the emphasis that I would like to make is on verse 17. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Again, verse 17. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Jesus, this morning, I pray that you give me the strength that comes from the very presence of your Spirit. Let the very presence of your Spirit penetrate throughout this whole meeting, penetrate the hearts of the hearers. Lord, I pray that people's lives will be changed. Also that people, especially your people, receive edification this morning. Let them be uplifted and encouraged, I pray. Let there be the very miracle-working power of your Spirit operating in the lives of each person in this place. Let not any person walk out the same, but let your presence so prevail in such a way that everybody would understand and know that truly they're in the presence of Jesus Christ. Lord, give me the freedom as I speak 
And as the words come forth, O oh God, that it may go come forth with the very anointing of your spirit. Open up my mind and my understanding this morning, I pray. And also let your anointing be upon the ears and hearts of each listener. For I pray it all in the precious and matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, I have taken you to the sec book Second Kings in the Old Testament. And we find here the story of Elisha. We find how Elisha kept on passing by this particular place. And there was a, a Shunem woman there. And every time he passed, she would always be hospitable and and share her hospitality with him. And after a period of time, she came to the realization that truly this man was a man of God. And then she made a special place for him, a special room that every time he would pass by, this was his room, this was a special place for him so that he could be alone and he could have all the conveniences. And in this special room, we find there's certain furniture in which he furnished that room. And the furniture de is described here in verse 10. And on verse 10, this is the emphasis that I'm going to be making this morning. Over here, she talks about a chamber. It says, let us make a little chamber. I pray thee on the wall and let us set for him there a bed, there was a bed, a table, and a stool, and also a candlestick. A bed, table, stool, and a candlestick. Four pieces of furniture that this woman had put in this particular room. And I would like to take this furniture and use it as a symbol and show each one of you how important it is for us to have a well-furnished life. Now in homes, you find that there are homes that are furnished real beautifully. Well, you also go to other homes that are not furnished beautifully. There's something lacking within the furniture. And the Bible points out to us that we as Christians should be well-furnished. And this, the other scripture that I've read in 2 Timothy, it points out to us that we should be very well furnished. And the very same furniture that this prophet had in his room is the same furniture that we should have within our lives this morning. Now I'm going to be using the furniture and the pieces of furniture in a symbolical way. But it has a spiritual meaning and I want you to listen very, very closely. First of all, we find that the first piece of furniture that she had set up in the room was a bed. Now it is very essential for the well-furnished Christian life or the well-furnished life for us to have a bed. Bed symbolizes rest. What kind of rest am I talking about? Well, first of all, there's the, the rest from the heavy burden of sin. 
Every Christian should have experienced one time or another how it was out there in the world and how heavy it was when you were living a life of sin. Sin is a very heavy, heavy burden that people carry. Very, very heavy load that people are carrying. But once we come to Christ, Christ wants to give us rest. And he wants to, first of all, give us rest from our heavy burden of sin. This is why you find people after they come up and accept Christ as their personal savior, there's like a, a, a relief. I remember when I accepted Jesus and after the Lord broke me and he turned me upside down and right side up, there was such a release inside of me and I felt that there was a release of that very, very heavy burden. I felt light inside of me. You ever talk to somebody after they have come up and had a dynamic experience with the Lord? You tell them, how do you feel? They say, I don't know, I just feel light. Hmm? I feel good, I feel, I feel light on the inside. That's because they've been, they've been set free from the heavy burden of sin and they've come into a place of rest. It is very important for each Christian to come into that place of rest. You can't have really truly rest without Christ. Christ is the one that gives rest. Also, once you come to Christ, there's also that rest from the conscience that con condemns us. Now, God has a way of revealing himself to you. And this is why the Christian that is not living that, the life the way he or she is supposed to live is a per person that is not experiencing the beautiful rest that God wants to give you. God wants to give us rest, that we could rest totally upon him, that we could enjoy our Christian experience, that we could feel happy and rejoicing in the things of God. The reason why some Christians, and you find that some Christians that should have the rest, they're Christians that are not restful Christians. And the reason why many times is because they have somehow fallen into sin. And if you are sinning or there's sin in your life that you're aware of, then it's going to affect your conscience. You cannot come with a clear conscience before the presence of God. This is why we find the Apostle Paul saying that he had a clear conscience. How can we approach God, that holy God, unless we know that our lives are right before his presence? Whenever there is sin in our lives, whenever there is sin, sin affects our lives, sin affects the victory that God wants to give us, and sin also affects the rest that belongs to us. This is something that is ours. We have inherited. Once you come to Jesus Christ, you have inherited the rest that God has for his people. The people without Christ are people that have no destiny, people that are going round and round without any destination. But when we have Jesus Christ, then there's a, there's a rest that's unspeakable. Everything could be happening around us, but we have our confidence in God, and there's a tranquility that we never had before. 
because of our lives that are in Jesus Christ. So then there's, uh, there's rest when we have a clear conscience before God. If you don't have a clear conscience this morning, you may think you may be getting away with sin, but you're really not getting away with it. You could never get away with sin. The Bible says that whatever you shall sow, that you shall reap. If you live a holy life, you shall reap the benefits of a holy life. If you live a life that is dedicated to God, you will reap all those beautiful benefits. And if also you live a life that is halfway with God, a life that is uh, involved in some secret sins, that maybe people may not know about it, maybe your friend may not know about it, maybe your neighbor may not know about it, maybe your family may not know about it, but there are two people that know about it, and that's God knows about it and you know about it. And that's enough. That is enough. Knowing that God knows about it, it kind of breaks up our relationship with God. It takes away the rest that God wants to give us. And that's what the devil is after, to try to disturb that, that position, to try to disturb that, that restful feeling that the Lord wants to give to each one of us. So then, there is rest in Jesus Christ. Now also, some people don't have rest in their life, and they don't have that tranquility, because they're not walking according to the will of God. Even if you're not involved in any secret sins, and even though you may be trying to serve God, and you're not involved in those sins that you were involved in before, Whenever you're not in the very perfect will of God, whenever you're not moving the direction that God wants you to move, then again you lose that peace. Do you know what happens to people that, these are the symptoms of people that are not according, walking according to the will of God. Even if you're not involved in sin, it could eventually, if you're not following the will of God for your life and the plan that God has for you, it could eventually take you into that life of sin. That's what the enemy is after all the time, trying to move us away from God's plan for us. More than ever, I have felt impressed by God that God has a destiny for each one of us. There isn't anyone that is here this morning that God doesn't have a definite plan for your life. And oh, how beautiful it is when that person comes in tune with God and when you come into that place where you say, Lord, I will take myself out of the driver's seat and I'll let you drive. I'll take myself out of the place of decision and let you make the decisions in my life. And when you do that, my friend, then there's a, there's a peace, there's a, there's a victory that comes upon a person that is following the will of God. And that person automatically becomes successful. You can help but be successful and victoriously when God is the one that is leading you. Now these are the symptoms of somebody that may be out of the will of God. And there's so many people, so many Christians that are many times trying to find the, themselves and trying to find their place in the body of Christ. And if you, try to, if you spend your life trying to find your place and always stumbling here and stumbling there, you'll never accomplish what God wants you to accomplish. You'll never be what God wants you to be. You'll always be stumbling and, and, and feeling here and feeling there. 
and not becoming the victorious and powerful Christian that God intends for you to be. These are some of the symptoms that I want you to be careful. And if you want to write them down, you can go ahead and write them down. And this could very well tell you that you may not be following the, the, the will of God in your life. First of all, there's an absence of unity. Now, sometimes when you get out of the will of God in your life and you're not flowing with the Spirit of God, then it's hard for you also to flow with your brethren. If you're not flowing with God, when you come to church, it's hard for you to flow with your brother and sister. There's a feeling of feeling out of place. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know what's wrong, but I just don't feel like I'm with it. I just don't feel like I'm part of the body of Christ. I feel like I'm searching and looking for something. And many times the reason why you feel like that and maybe not even feel in place and comfortable even in the house of God is because you haven't come into that place of submission with Christ. You haven't come into that place where you say, Lord, I will flow with you and I'll let you be the one to lead. Now, as far as that feeling, that absence of unity many times or that feeling of, of flowing with the rest of the body, that could also easily happen and it's normal to hap it ha when it happens to new Christians. If you have recently been saved and if you've joined this body recently, you've joined this church, then there's a, it's a, sometimes a normal experience to sometimes feel a little bit out of place because you don't know people. It's something new. But after a while, that's where you have to remain. I believe that people shouldn't be jumping around from church to church. There are people that look at churches like a department store or like a supermarket or like a restaurant. Well, what are they serving here? Oh, they're serving big steaks over there. I'm running for the steaks. Then after a while, they get tired of the steaks. Oh, yeah, they're serving pork chops, and they run after the pork chops. Oh, yeah, they're serving hamburgers, running after them from place to place, from place to place. I believe that God has a way of placing us in the body that he has for us. I've always, I'm a believer that God places us in, in our place. God places us in a particular church that he wants us to be. Now what the enemy will always try to do will be to try to remove you from the place that God has placed you. And he tries to remove you by different feelings, you know, or by even getting a brother or sister to even offend you, possibly. Or by telling you that nobody loves you and nobody cares for you. And this is a hard place to really get in and to flow in. But I believe that someone that is looking for the will of God is someone that will say, I don't care what happens. All I know is that I'm following God. And if God has placed me within this church, then there isn't anybody. It'll have to take an act of God to get me out of this church. We all have different experiences. We're emotional people. How many times have I felt like I want to hang it up? I, you know, oh man, this is too rough. Things are not going the way I want to see them going. They're not moving as fast as I want to see them moving. But why don't I move? Why don't I, I, well, number one is because I love you people and I feel the love. But the most important thing is that I know that this is the place where God has me.
They could offer me the whole world. They could offer me big ministries, and I don't want them because I know that this is a place that God has me. And when you know that that's the place that God has you, then you're flowing into the will of God. So in the beginning, there may be times for some of you new Christians that it may be a little bit rough to really get into it. But just give it a little bit of time and just begin to let God lead you and just be still and know that he is God. And before you know it, you'll be flowing, my friend. If this is God's will for you, this church, you'll be flowing with the rest of the people that are flowing, that are following the Lord. So then the, but if a person is not flowing with God, then it's hard for the person to flow with the brethren. This is where they isolate themselves. Whenever a person's out of God's will, knowingly that he's out of God's will, have a tendency to isolate themselves and say, I'm not going to get involved until I get myself right. And they're always saying, mañana. Or after this, after this few months, because I'm really going through it, I'm going to really get down and get myself together. And there's always one of these days I'm going to get myself together and I want to be what God wants me to be. There's always that calling of the Spirit of God. And there's always that saying, one of these days, one of these days, one of these days. See, that's it. You're listening to Living in Victory with Pastor Sonny Argonzoni, your weekly podcast. I know you're enjoying today's message. We would love to hear how these podcasts are blessing your life. Connect with us today at SonnyArgonzoni.org. See, that's an, an unrest feeling. Then secondly, also, there's an absence of tranquility when someone is out of the will of God. No peace. Number three, there's a restlessness. You can't be still, always want to go someplace else. Always looking for some other place and hoping that that some other place will have what you're looking for. Number four, there's also tension. You're uptight when you're not walking according to the very will of God in your life. Then number six, insecurity. Very, very insecure. And this happens to people that are in places of, of leadership as well. An insecure leader is a leader that doesn't realize that God has them there. Insecurity, when you don't know what God wants for you and you don't know whether God has you there or not, you're always afraid that somebody's going to rip you off. Somebody's going to take your job. Somebody's going to take your blessing. A sense of insecurity, a sense of, of, of fear. And then there's also that lack of confidence because you don't really know that that's what God wants you to do. And eventually, what the enemy wants to do is take you back into your old way of living. He'll try to remove you from God's plan for your life, not only so you'll become ineffective, but that eventually you'll become, you'll go back into that old way of living that you used to live in before. So then rest. Rest are for the people, the rest that God gives are for the people that are flowing with God. People that are saying, it's not my will, but thy will be done. I will follow the Lord. I will flow with God. I will let God lead my life. And we're living in a, a world of unrest. 
More than ever, people are full of unrest, especially with everything that's happening in the world. Some people want to commit suicide because of the crisis in the world today. But the Christian is one who says, I don't care what's happening around me, what's happening, what the newspapers are saying, what television is saying, what the crises that are taking place in the world today, all I know is that I'm flowing with God and I'm serving a big God that's bigger than this world and this universe and God has everything under control. There's a, 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 an unspeakable peace about that person that whose confidence and trust is in God. And this is a world that is full of unrest. So then, God wants to give us rest. Secondly, so then, the bed symbolizes rest, and it's very important for you to have that piece of furniture. Secondly, the second essential piece of furniture that we find here that talks about is a table. Now, a table is very important because a table symbolizes communion. It symbolizes communion. And if you don't have, if you don't have that piece of furniture as far as communion with God, then my friend, you're missing out. You're missing out on the joy of coming and being before the presence of God. Do you know that the Christian life, the, the best experience in the Christian life, the most glorious experience in the Christian life is when you're able to talk to God and He talks to you. When you're able to have fellowship and communion with God. Isn't it beautiful to have fellowship among ourselves? This morning I couldn't wait to come over here and to get into this fellowship. I couldn't wait to come and just to feel your love and gather together and praise God together and worship the Lord together. But what beautiful moments when we're able to approach God and come before the presence of God and let Him speak to us and we speak to Him and have direct communion with God. Getting to know God personally. It's not, en it's not enough for you to know God because I tell you about God. Some of you, the only knowledge you know of God is what I tell you about God or what teachers tell you about God or what you hear on television about God or what somebody else is telling you about God, but that's not good enough. There should come a time within your Christian life that you say, yes, I've heard about God, but I want to hear from God directly. I want to come into that place of talking with God and, and Him talking to me, having that communion. And there are so many people today that, that lose out on that. Even Christian workers today that don't know what it is to get alone with God. I tell you, if I lose that, man, I, this is something that once in a while I say, Lord, I want you to break me. When I find that I'm not broken, I, there are times that I just get on my knees and I say, Lord, I want to get broken. And I love to get broken. I love to get broken where he, he breaks me in such a way that I'm crying and tears are flowing down my face. And moments when I lose all my composure, moments when I don't know what has taken place, but God has taken over in my life where one minute I'm crying, the next minute I'm laughing. Glorious, is, glorious and beautiful experiences in the upper room in the presence of God. Those are moments that we should cherish and treasure. 
And if you don't have those moments in your life, then you're missing out on what God has for you. It is impossible for you to become like Christ if you don't spend time with Christ. It's not good enough to just spend time with Christians. That helps have communion, but the best one to spend time with and walk with and talk with is Jesus Christ himself. Before you go to work, you get down on your knees and say, Jesus, vamos a hablar. Do you know, Jesus, that I love you? Huh? Te quiero porque te quiero porque te quiero. Huh? And then there are moments when you get over there and you say, you're so lovely, Jesus. You're so precious. Oh, you're so wonderful. Not all the time, give me, give me, give me. Yeah, yeah I need money, Lord. Imagine a, a kid always coming and, and pulling your, your pants and uh, I need money, Lord, and I need this and I need that and, and, and that, I need that and that. It is after a while, man, it gets to you. But how beautiful when they come and say, hey, Dad, and Mom, you know that I, I love you. Oh. You know, I love you. You know why I want to be here with you? Because I just want to be with you. Because I miss you. Little Timothy is very affectionate. He comes up to me and he, he knows how to get to me, you know. He comes up and he goes, Mm. Why did you do that for, Tim? Because I love you. You won't even look like Christ anymore. The only way to be Christ-like and to look like Christ is to have communion with Him, to be able to walk with Him, to be able to talk with Him. Not only hearing it secondhand, but getting it firsthand. Going to the main connection yourself. And experiencing from, from him yourself, having him talk to you directly. Has he talked to you directly? Do you know the voice of God? Do you know what it is to be in the presence of God? Do you know the, the blessings that, that is involved in being in the presence of God? If you don't know it, then my friend, you're missing out. And it's very important for you to have communion with God. Don't neglect it. Number three. The third essential well-furnished life, the furniture, is a stool that we find that the prophet had in his room. And what does that stool symbolize? It symbolizes instruction. And instruction is something that is very vital within the Christian life. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ if you're not a learner, if you're not receiving instructions if you're not studying your Bible. You know what happens when you study your Bible? You become a disciplined Christian. That's where discipline comes, by studying the Word of God. And this is why we have provided in the church, we have our Tuesday night uh, Bible studies, and I would like to see Bible studies all over the place, and you have an opportunity to get involved in that Bible study. We have Bible studies on Friday night, and constantly the Word of God is being taught because the Word of God is important for your spiritual growth. There's a developing of an appetite for God's Word. Do you know that in the natural, you don't want to open up the Bible? You may be at that point this morning. Do you have the Bible in your home? Is it getting dusty? 
Do you ever read the Bible only when you come to the Montebello Auditorium and we say open up and then you open up and read a scripture? Do you find it hard to open up the Bible and to really dig into the Word of God and just read? Devotionally, just begin to read because you want to feed yourself. Do you find it very hard and difficult? If you find it hard and if it's very difficult for you to just read your Bible and devotionally feed yourself from the Word of God is because you have not developed an appetite for the Word of God. The flesh is in the way. Okay? The flesh doesn't want anything to do with the Word of God. The flesh would rather read a magazine. The flesh would rather read a book. The flesh would rather turn on the television and, and hear on the television, maybe even hear a preacher on the television or tune in a program on the television. But it takes someone that is in tune with God and is walking in the Spirit and is, has disciplined themselves and has created an appetite for the Word of God to be able to open up the Word of God and be hungry for the Word of God. Do you know that you can reach that point? I don't know how many of you have reached it, but I believe that we have people here this morning. You should have an appetite where you can't wait to get into the God's Word. And when you start reading God's Word, you're reading it and you just don't want to put it down. And the time begins to move and you say, well, man, I just let me just one more chapter because this is getting good. This different types of reading God's Word. There's times when you study it, a systematic study of the Word of God. And a systematic study is not uh, reading it for inspiration, but you're studying it. You're studying it in a systematic way, maybe studying on the Holy Spirit. Maybe you may be studying on prophecy, so you have to be looking up and bouncing all around the Bible, looking for scriptures and understanding about the doctrine of prophecy. Or you're studying on the Holy Spirit, or you're studying on a different subject, and that's very important. But then there's also moments, and every Christian should have it. If you don't have it, then develop it. Very, very important for you to come to the place where you can sit down and feast upon the Word. In other words, you start opening it up and reading it, and oh, esto está sabroso. Then you say, eh, pero espérate, I'm going to go over here. And you open up another passage. Oh, yo, que precioso. And, and you feel something happening on the inside. You know what happens on the inside when you start digesting the Word of God? You become like Christ. The Word becomes flesh. You become what the Word says. There's a change that takes place in your life, and the only way that change could take place in your life is through the very Word of God and the Spirit of God. There's no shortcuts, my friend. If you want to become more like Christ, if you want to be a, 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 a Christian that is an overcoming Christian, then you cannot substitute the Word of God. And it's not enough just to hear it from preachers. It's not enough just to hear it on the television. But you personally must get into God's Word and begin to digest the Word of God. You must learn to feast on God's Word and develop an appetite for the Word of God. Have you been doing that? Ask us. I'm asking you the question. I want you to think about it right now. When was the last time in your home that you opened up the Word of God? 
Now, there are wives here and you looking at your husband saying, he never opens up the word of God. There are husbands here and looking at their wives and saying, uh, hey, she never opens up the word of God. This is a time for you to go, mm. Very important, as simple as it is, as simple as it is, very important to create an appetite. You know, when I, the word appetite, you know, I, I never liked fish. No me gustaba el pescado. But I've been going around and I've been in places that they keep on talking about fish and fish is good and all that. I just didn't like the way it looked. One time I was in Spain y me dieron lo que se llama una paella. And I was in Barcelona, Spain and they gave me this paella and I, they put it down and I love rice and it's nice yellow rice but there was a big lobster sitting on it with eyes looking at me. I mean, that was the most horrible thing that I've ever experienced. I mean, I, I, I started going around the rice, and I go like this to the eyes. Every once in a while, those eyes looking at me, and I'm going over here like this. And then Julie's telling me, how could you eat that horrible, ugly-looking thing? And uh, after a while, I hear people talking about it so much that finally I said, well, I'm going to taste it. And I started tasting. Man, it tastes good. For a while, I didn't like shrimp. I developed an appetite for shrimp. My wife didn't like pizza. Took her to New York, and she's developed an appetite for pizza. You could either develop an appetite for the things of God, or you could develop an appetite for the things of the world. This is why it's important for us to develop and, 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 and develop the appetites for the things of God. And if you don't have an appetite for the Word of God, you could develop it. And how do you develop it? By digging in. If it's too complicated to King's James, then get another version. Get the living version of the Bible, and if you like that better, but get one that you may understand, and something that, and you're getting something out of it, and when you're getting something out of it, then you're on the way to developing an appetite for God's Word. You know that there's even preachers that don't open up the Word of God just to look for a text. That's why you see preachers sometimes fall leaders, Sunday school teachers. That's why they fall sometimes, because they're giving out and giving out, but they're not feeding themselves. They haven't developed that appetite. So it's very important then to receive instructions. And this is what we do. There's no way that we could keep you. You have to, you, God is the one that keeps you. If you don't develop that appetite, there's no way that we could penetrate. You must be open so that we could penetrate. Even God cannot penetrate unless you open up. So what we try to do is give you a taste and say, hey, man, the word of God is good then it's up to you to search and to seek and to begin to develop your own way of studying and receiving instruction from the Word of God. And that brings about discipline. Then number four, and with this I'm going to be finishing. And these are points that are, they're simple, but they're so important, and so many people stumble over the simplicity of these points. To be a good, well-furnished Christian, number four, we find that he put in the room, the woman put for the prophet a candlestick. 
And that candlestick represents for us this morning, it's a symbol of a testimony. Now, testimony, I cannot overemphasize. The Bible talks about Jesus. He says, I am the light of the world. That's in John chapter 8. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14, we find that it says in the Bible, ye are the light of the world. So just like Jesus was the light of the world, the Bible also says that we are the light of the world. A true disciple and a true Christian of the Lord Jesus Christ is not one that says, hey, don't look at me, but look at him. Some of you new Christians, do you have somebody telling you that? Don't go for it. Hey, brother, you know what? I'm, you know, I'm helping you in the Lord, but you know I got a lot. Don't look at me, because if you look at me, you're going to fall. Then you better get away from that person. You don't want to fall. The Apostle Paul said, be an imitator of me. If you want to see Christ, you look at me, and you see Christ. That's pretty heavy. Why? Because they were put in importance. The emphasis was a great emphasis upon testimonies. And if you don't have a testimony in this church, then you'll never be effective anywhere. Because if you don't have a testimony in this church, it's because there's a spiritual problem in you. We have a tendency to put the blame on everybody else. We say, hey, uh, they just don't like me, or uh, this church is just like this or that. But every place you go, if you have a spiritual problem, that spiritual problem will continue to surface, and you'll always have that problem. But how important it is for people to have a good testimony. I was in a minister's meeting the other day, and it was a meeting for the uh, America for Jesus. And... Right there, they mention a few names. They want to put people on a committee. And they mention a few ministers. And they mention a few names that possibly these ministers did not have a good testimony. Something that took place probably in their lives some years back. But as soon as they mention those names to put those people on the committee, some ministers got up right away. Uh, I'm sorry, but I would like to suggest that we don't put those names because if we put those names, I don't think the people are going to respond because those names are not very good names. They don't have a very good testimony. And some ministers were not, were not put on that list for the committee. They didn't put them on because of their testimony and because it would bring a reflection upon the whole executive committee of uh, America for Jesus. And these were people that were good people, people that God had forgiven, people that had a, a ministry now, people that were moving for God and being used of God, but nevertheless, because they tarnished their testimony, it continues to follow them. And even followed them even to the point where even now they still cannot be accepted. Even though God has accepted them, sometimes man doesn't want to accept them. And the reason why man doesn't accept them is because they've lost their credibility. I know some, I know one brother that the next time he comes back to the Lord, he, every once in a while, he takes a vacation every six months. 
And the last time that he came back to the Lord, he, he was having even a Bible study and he started bringing Christians and, I mean, bringing sinners. And, and I was saying to myself, oh God, I hope he looks like he's going to make it this time. And he was bringing sinners, going out there and getting the sinners and bringing them to church. And I was saying, oh God, please, Lord, help him make it. And then he started even having a, a Bible study. It wasn't approved by the church, but he was having it anyway. Well, what happened after a period of time? That brother took his slip again. Around the time that he always takes a slip, just went and took his slip again. What happened to those people that he went to the Lord? I haven't seen them. I haven't, I haven't seen them anymore. I can imagine what they're thinking. They're probably saying, I'll never again enter the doors of Victory Temple. I don't want nothing to do with Christianity anymore. Why? Because of the testimony of this individual. Next time I see this brother come back, and he'll come back. Next time I see him come back again, and I see him win, I'm going to say, listen, don't win anybody to the Lord. Just serve God! Until we see him secure, until I see him established within the things of God, because you become more of a stumbling block. A Christian becomes more of a stumbling block to the kingdom of God that is not serving God and has a bad testimony than the sinners themselves. Do you know that? So then it's very important, and this is why sometimes we put on the screws over here. We have some that right away want to sing. We say no. We give them, give them six months. And in six months, we could tell why we put somebody up here. They're singing and they're, they're praising God. The very next day, they're out there getting drunk and out there shooting drugs. Or the next week, they're shooting drugs. What type of example, what type of Christianity is that? So then it is very important for you to take care of your testimony. If you really cared about your testimony, it wouldn't be that easy to backslide. You hear what I say? If you cherish your testimony, it wouldn't be that easy for you to leave God. Even in the midst of temptation, in the midst of tribulation, you'll say, No, I want my life to glorify God and not be a stumbling block to the kingdom of God. See what I'm talking about? Testimony, very, very important. And let me just close with this. Some of you wives, you want to reach your husband, you'll never reach him if you're not a testimony at home. You'll never reach him. The only thing they'll know of Christianity is through you. The only way that you'll be an open epistle to them, that's what the Bible says, you're an open epistle in, in your home, you're the one that's doing the preaching through your life. And if you're not that example, you're giving him a concept, or husband, you're giving your wife a concept of Christianity. And there are some people that say, I don't want no part of it. In Puerto Rico, some of them, some of the churches have gotten into some heavy, very heavy legalistic, uh, in a very heavy legalistic realm, put it that way. The people that I was with, they, they, were, they weren't into that like that, but some of them are very, very legalistic. They even have signs in front of their church and say, you can't come in if you're wearing pants. This is even for the sinner. And some people, if a, sinner, if a person comes in and wants to get saved and is wearing pants, 
and they come in, the usher will go to them and say, I'm sorry, but this is the house of God, and no pants allowed. Get out. If you want to come into the house of God, you go out there and get yourself a dress, and then you come back and, uh, you know, even the sideburns. They were showing my movie. <laughs> and one of the brothers told me, hey, man, one of them said, uh, Ese Sony tiene patilla larga, ¿verdad? And the poor women, I mean, they really check out the women. If you have a little chain, cuidado, está en pecado. Julie got up and she has a chain, you know, and she got up. I don't know what she did, but I think she put it inside over here. See, you know. Legalistic, you see, you could become a stumbling block, and then the people out in the street, when you tell them, Listen, you want to come to church? What the Pentecostal church? Hey, later, why well, I went there last week and they threw me out. See what I'm talking about? We could very easily become a stumbling block to the kingdom of God through our testimonies. So, then it is very important to be able to. Find rest in Christ, to also be, have communion with Christ, to receive instruction, and then last of all, also our testimony. And I conclude with this, they all go in order. All these follow each other. First of all, there's the rest that you have in Christ. Secondly, as you rest, you're in communion with Christ. And then as you're in communion with Christ, you're also receiving instruction from Christ. And if you're receiving instruction from Christ, and if you're resting in Him and having communion, then you'll be a good testimony for the glory of God. And that, my friend, makes the well-furnished Christian. A Christian that is well-furnished for the glory of God. Are you that type of Christian this morning? Are you well furnished? Is your life well furnished with all these that I've mentioned, these points that I've mentioned? Or are you lacking in any area? If you're lacking in some area... We pray that this message has encouraged you to grow in your walk with God. To hear more messages, visit www.visionintlstore.com. Thank you for listening. God bless you.